Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas, with your host, Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton. And we're back with the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast. This is episode 172. 172. I'm your host, Josh Shelton, friend and co-host, Ryan Ray. Ryan, uh, you had a great week last week with, uh, with the webinar, uh, news coming out this week. Uh, lots of lots of interesting things to look at. Politics are as crazy as, uh, as usual. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, well, we have some, we have some sad news to start the show off with Josh. Um, next week will be Nate's last week on the show. And so that's, uh, he's going on to different pastures. He can determine if they're greener or browner or, or whatever, but it's his last one. So in, in honor of this show, and the only way that we would do it is to send Nate off properly. We need a lot of five-star reviews that absolutely crush how terrible of, he, of a job he's done for this past almost two years now. So feel free to put him in, to put him in thick, five stars. If you give me some four-star crap about Nate, listen, we know his work's one star, but it's got to be five-star to crush it. Um, well, don't get too emotional about it, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, we need some five-stars to uh, – you know, to, to send Nate off properly. Um, and so, you know, I mean, I think, I think that's what you would want, Nate, right? You don't want us to talk about how good you've done and how much you've learned. You want to be roasted your last week on the show. I want to uh, be blamed for everything up to and including um, the coronavirus, the 9-11 attacks, <laughs> and uh, Kennedy's assassination. <laughs> worldwide hunger. Okay. Yeah. So please get your five stars in. We will send Nate off properly. And if, and if you don't, then Josh and I will just pound on him for you know an hour unrelenting. So we'd prefer that you do it. Um, but you know, it's up to you. So yeah. So it's a little, little sad news. Um, but uh, as you mentioned, the show webinar was last week, two hour event. It was really good, Josh. Uh, for folks who want to catch the replay, if you sign up for the War Room newsletter, which we'll link to that, and uh, the replay is in there, so you can go watch it at any time. Um, that is for subscribing members only. And we have one coming up, which we'll be releasing registration for today, um, October ooh, October the 8th. I get that out um, for U.S.-China relations. So um, a lot going on, a lot going on. And WTI is sub-40 this morning. So we're, what, what bit of good news do you have, Josh? Uh, well, the good news is, is that articles are coming out. Guess who I heard from? Guess who I heard from? Spakner. No, I think that dude's like got a blowtorch. Yeah, I think he's done. I think he's done. I'll give you one more guess. Sergio Chapa. (laughs) Bloomberg. (laughs) Finally, finally has emerged from his Bloomberg terminal to, to, to talk to us. And so, um, he is alive. He is well. Um, and so, you know, and, you know, Sergio and I were talking and, you know, he's, he's doing good at his new job. Like seems like it. And we got to, we got to talking about this r- random things and it came up that Ted Hall, I don't know if you saw this or not. Ted Hall got a new job. Remember the, the, the Kairos guy? Kairos, yeah. 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 So Ted Hall is now the U S crude oil market research, uh, U.S. crude oil market research at J.P. Morgan, and he's the, the vice president of energy market, vice president, vice president U.S. energy market strategist. So, 
it seems like when you come on the show, big things happen. Right? Yeah. I mean, the dude's the VP at JP Morgan Chase now, Energy Market. So just another success story. Um, you know, it feels like if the Biden or Trump administration would like to win the presidential campaign, then they should probably come on. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. That's, that's one really good strategy. It depends on who comes on first, who wins. I, I mean, this is, I would think so. I heard I heard the Trump campaign was running low on cash. Um, you throw, yeah, throw, a million, throw a million this way, that'd be yeah. the cheapest way to yeah. guarantee the election. Yeah, we can we can work on that. We can we can work out a price. Uh, we can work out a price. So um, you definitely yeah, we, win the state of Texas. I, I think so. I think. And all the swing states. And I mean, listen, if he loses Texas, he loses the election. So he should spend the, a lot of money here. He can't afford to lose Texas. So, I mean, it's, it's just, it's a science. So anyway, so yeah, so the Trump administration, um, you know, feel free to run ads on here um, or the, or the Biden campaign. I mean, that would be a bold strategy. That would be a bold strategy, but we will take your cash. As long as it's yeah. cash, we'll, we'll take it. I wonder, he's really, I mean, he really has a, a shot of, if he comes on the show of getting some, Getting the backing of the oil and gas industry, so that would that would be a big a big help. Hey, did uh, Biden? Yeah, I was about to say that there was a a thing he was doing. I saw over the weekend where uh, one of the CNN guys asked him, "It's Cooper," asked Mm -hmm. him about his stance on fracking because it looks like he was trying to have it both Mm -hmm. ways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He kind of got AOC route and then say he's not going to ban it. And so he took the the route saying, well, we would try to get rid of it by 2040, but we can't get rid of it now because it would lead to all sorts of bad stuff. Uh, so he at least sees that you can't ban it. I mean, that that's just absolute lunacy to say that you have to ban it now. But the problem is, is I wonder how much control he's actually going to have over some of those policies. He's going to be getting a lot of pressure from people in his, in his uh, cabinet and I just wonder. Well, as David Bikeman said on the show webinar last week, he's not really concerned with what Joe Biden thinks. He's more concerned with what Kamala Harris thinks. <laughs> he thinks <laughs> she will defeat the the eventual uh, president. But yeah, so it's the interesting. Eventual, I, that's the, yeah. Put that in asterisks. Yeah, <laughs> I think Biden. He's obviously kind of like any politician, kind of hopped around a little bit. Um, he can't listen. If you look at the if you look at the electoral map this year, if you're going to say that you're going to ban fracking, you will lose the election. It's just the vote the, the swing state votes are too close. Um, I mean, Biden's ahead in those, but that would probably cost him the election. So he can't say that. Uh, but you know, what will he do if he gets in? We ban the federal lands, stuff like that. I mean, companies should prepare that that might that that might be a, a reality. Um, but there's also there's also stuff where under the Obama administration is when we opened up the exports, right? And so now the the, the climate and temperature has changed as far as you know how America views oil and gas. But if oil starts going up in price, this just works out hypothetically because we 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 just ban fracking on the federal lands, and then they put some kind of EPA rule that bans on the private lands, and we're just we're no fracking. Well, the price eventually it will start to go up at some point, right? Mm-hmm. And which means if, if oil gets to, let's just say 85, and I'm just making up high, loose numbers here just to, for the point. If oil gets up to 85, that means gasoline prices go up. So then American consumers are having to spend more on gasoline. Well, 
you know, you're going to have a lot of folks out here start clamoring saying, well, we could help lower these gasoline prices if we just were to drill. So I, I don't know. I think it's a little bit early to, I think it's a little bit early to, uh, to, to think too much of the fracking ban. Um, but yeah, well, we'll see. Uh, the debate is when's the debate is it this week or next week? I don't know. That's a good question. I, let me see here. Presidential debates. It's uh, the 29th. So that's next a week from t- a week from Tuesday. A week from Tuesday. Ooh, I'll be locked in. My hot cocoa, my snuggie, on the couch, just watching that bad boy. Serious question. Yeah. Serious question. How much steroids and HGH will they inject Biden with before? The- <laughs> Good question, dude. <laughs> they gonna they gonna Botox his freaking eyebrows. Yeah. Botox him, HGH, those steroids, what, human. Uh, I don't know uh, stem cells. I don't know. They they gonna they gonna fill him full of stuff. So um, he'd be looking like Hulk Hogan walking on that set. <laughs> I can't wait to see that man. I mean, something if he comes out there like super sharp, like just ready to go. Oh yeah, it's going to be hilarious. It's going to be hilarious, regardless of what happens. All right, so a couple articles uh, we wanted to jump into today. We're going to talk obviously about the uh, the webinar that you had last week. Uh, there's an article that came out uh, on a 18th uh, where it says pandemic to trim China's 2020 gas demand growth to 4.2 percent. Government report says so it's slowing uh, China's gas um, consumption which affects uh, the LNG market. You know, the LNG was uh, a big target for India and China for these U.S.-based companies. We were trying to export it. So this is putting a bit of a damper on some of those projects. I don't think that it's long-term. I think it's more of a short-term thing where maybe in the next 12 to 18 months, it should be back uh, back to where it was now, I would, I would think. Uh, but this is not great news uh, to, to see this. Sort of yeah. expected, though. I mean, I think, you know, if we're in the business and this is kind of, you know, we haven't talked about kind of parsing out the business in a long time, but if you're in the business right now, you know, you're trying to figure out what to do next. You got to be really careful on, on how you read the news because there's going to be a lot of bad news and we are nowhere near, in my opinion, at least out of the woods on, um, on, on, on kind of the, the litany of bad news. The Dow's up, the Dow's down and I'm reading this right now, hundred points this morning already. Is that what I'm reading? Um, yeah. And so, um, okay. So, you know, we're, we're going to have news about that and then you're going to have the predictions, which is, you know, gasoline or natural gas or oil or whatever it's up, it's down, you know, it missed demand, it surprised demand because we don't know what the new models look like. Listen, back in February, February, February 1st, was there a single person on this earth who would have told you that we would have shut down the, the world economy like we did? I mean, there's probably a few, uh, like, you know, that, that we'd all laughed at, but, but generally speaking, 99.999% of the world would have said, no, that's, that's ludicrous. Right. Mm-hmm. Now that we've done it and we're trying to figure out how to open back up. Well, we don't know what that looks like because we've never done it before. And so, and part of that uncertainty, we talk about uncertainty in the markets. Well, part of the uncertainty is now that we have shut things down, will we shut them down again? I would like to say no, but Josh, I mean, what, what, what 
I didn't think we would have did it back in March. So I can't say with a, with any reason of uh, reasonable certainty that we won't do it again. I don't think we will, but how can I actually say that as flu flu season comes back and and what a month or two, um, you know, people start going to the hospital for flu, the COVID, they start testing for COVID. If you have a high comorbidity a comorbidity death type deal, I can't say any certainty that we won't shut things back down again. Can you? No, and I think um, I think part of the the thing so. I haven't studied the market that much this morning. Um, I just kind of caught a couple of little snapshots because I had a few things going on and I was wondering uh, what what the cause of the stock market dropping was. And so based on what I saw, I have to verify this later, but based on what I saw, uh, there's spikes of uh, COVID cases in Europe and they're saying, I think it's 6,000 people. They're were, they were reporting like 6,000 people are being hospitalized per day. I don't have any inclination if that's true or not, but they were saying that that was the primary thing that was causing the stock market to dip today. may not be true, but that's just what I saw. Mm -hmm. If that's the case, man, uh, that's concerning to me. And it's concerning that people are still responding that way to this, to this, to the coronavirus, that it's a, it's the panic and the response that is, uh, Making me panic, <laughs> not the. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you you look like New Zealand. I think they've opened up everywhere but one city. Uh, they you know, they shut down their country. Now it's a little small island, but they shut down their country. And so, globally, if you look at what's going on, there's a lot of protests. A lot of people were frustrated with the shutdowns, with the mask requirements. Um, and so you're going to have kind of this this balance uh, of you know can governments reinforce the shutdowns if they need to. Or, or you know, whatever you know, more more stringent social distancing stuff like that. So, um, and then you know, there's been a few reports of people who have um, who, who we think have gotten it twice. Now, you know, we can debate how legitimate that is, but I'm assuming you can potentially get it twice. I, I think that's a, a possibility at least. And if that is possible, all people got it in March or April or whatever. You know, will they get it again in flu season? I don't know the answer. Maybe they can't get it twice. Maybe once you you get it, if it doesn't mutate a lot, then you, again, I'm, that's kind of outside of my my scope of, of of knowledge at least right now. But you know, those are just questions we're going to have to answer. And um, I think especially during the winter time when it's really cold outside, people aren't wanting to travel. You know, are you going to want to get in your car, go do something? Um, you know, with the fear of you know getting the flu, which is a concern for people as it is, and getting the COVID, you know, um, and all those things go into the demand. So we might not shut anything down. Uh, we might not shut anything down, but people just might not be willing to get out and about. And you know, um, because in the summertime, at least when you get out, you can think, well, I'm going to stand outside. I'm going to walk in the park. In the wintertime, you're going to pretty much huddle up inside, especially up north. So, um, you know, a lot of breathing on folks. Mm. Well, um, the good news, Ryan, is that on Friday, September 18th, an article came out that said oil has its best week since June after the Saudis defend recovery. So I think uh, at, when that came out, oil was up around 41. Uh, unfortunately, today it's around 38. So uh, the good news didn't last too long. It looks like I guess the uh, the stock market is affecting the oil price as well. I, I don't know what's. Uh, I wonder why it's dipping the way it is now. It's down to thirty eight eighty two. Right. Um, and I mean, again, I think so. Last week you have the some OPEC saying that hey, they're going to kind of tighten things down. We're not going to take any more. We'll see how it goes. And then this morning you have the the fear that you're talking about. And this is what we're saying. You're going to see up and down, up and down, up and down because 
you know, it's, it's, it's going to be messages that are contradictory and you can't put them together. You're not sure how things are going. Um, and look, I mean, you know, without getting too much into the Supreme Court justice deal, you know, we have a lot of political uh, uh, uncertainty in our country, you know, the next, uh, what are we, 40 days from election, something like that. So you know, we have a lot of political uncertainty here. And so I think, I think you're going to see people who will point out the positive, will point out the negative, but the market's going to respond to a lot of things. And it's probably going to be pretty volatile. I can't imagine it's going to be up to the right. Um, one of the things on the show webinar was pointed out a couple of times was the, um, the PPP money, you know, running out. And so you will see unemployment that will, um, what will, will you would think would creep back up, you know, how many of these restaurants can keep going, stuff like that. So I think we're a long ways from, you know, stabilization, um, if you will, as far as, you know, the price is kind of in a safe zone. It might flirt with the safe zone and kind of go back down, but, um, but yeah. And then, you know, as the price ticks back up, what, what is the news that sends it back down? And this morning, as you say, it's the potential for, for shutdowns. Yeah, that's that's going to be a part of the deal. Uh, I, I think we got an article coming up here shortly that uh, part of the recovery is going to depend on the, the airlines. Um, I mean, that uh, let's see, swollen, here's, here's one, swollen diesel stockpiles threatened oil price recovery. Mm-hmm. And then uh, another one was oil recovery waits for international flying to return. So, I mean, so much of the economy, especially with oil and gas, is depending on people not to panic and get back to some normal routines. Uh, and that's, that's going to be the tough thing is, uh, the, the, I don't think there's any way for people to project what oil is going to do for the next 12 months, because we just don't know how people are going to, going to act. I mean, you get one little spike in flu cases and people may absolutely lose their mind. Yeah, no. I mean, so the international flights are important because, that's where you're burning a lot of fuel, right? You're flying to China, you're flying to Africa, you're flying to Europe. Uh, but then there's also a little bit more to it than that. So you have the the long flight, but international flight, um, when you think about it from the U.S. perspective, when a U.S. citizen flies internationally, what does that say about where they're going? It generally says that they believe that they're going to a stable, safe environment, right? Mm-hmm. We live in a stable, safe country for the most part. We're going somewhere else. It's a stable, safe environment. Um, even if there were no travel restrictions today, if all the countries lifted all the travel restrictions, what's the confidence that you would hop on a plane and travel the world internationally right now? I don't, I don't know if anyone's actually going international right now. Uh, so I'm saying, but if, if the, so the travel restrictions were gone, if, if everyone tomorrow said, okay, we're lifting the travel restrictions. And you said, I'm going to go on a two week tour, uh, tour of the world. Would you do that? Or would you be concerned that you're going to get somewhere and get stuck? I would be concerned about getting stuck. I would right. be concerned about, I mean, like capacity, how there's distancing. It's like, especially if you have kids, I mean, I don't know. It just seems to be, it's, it seems to be very right. difficult to, to do. So, so, right. So you have some of the corporate world will start traveling internationally just because they, they have to. Um, but, you know, people who travel for, um, for work, but they don't actually have to, they can zoom it. Um, some have to go, right. They're going to work in a field or whatever. Um, I think, I think you're a little bit ways off before people say like right now, if you had gone to London and you, you, you get there and then now they're saying, Oh my gosh, we might have a second wave and we're going to shut down. I was like, <laughs> I gotta get home. Well, can you get home? And so I think these are the kind of things that we have to, we just have to kind of figure out 
how the government's how people respond and that's the problem it's going to be up and down up and down up and down and that is not good for the show producers see we have uh i mentioned the swollen diesel stockpiles that threaten oil recovery so uh, they, they mentioned here that crude stockpiles in the u.s are sitting at the lowest level since april uh, which include diesel, heating oil, and jet fuel continuing to swell and skyrocketed to the highest level for this time of year in U.S. government data going back to 1991. So uh, as, as those things continue to stockpile, you're going to see prices really have a hard time of getting up. Uh, so I hate to see that. I hate to see, uh, you know, these stockpiles. And, you know, we were not talking, you know, it wasn't too long ago we were looking at diesel and talking about how strong of a market that was going to be. Um, for the next two or three years. and Well, I think the diesel, right, the diesel will be an in, uh, indicator to follow because when the diesel um, starts to, the, the stockpile starts to decline, then you might, and you have some sustained draws, you might think, okay, we're, we've turned the corner and now we're into kind of a recovery mode because people will be building, um, you know, renovating, you know, restoring all the kind of stuff that requires, you know, diesel. And so, um I think that's uh I think that's kind of the, the indicator, but right now it's 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 sitting there and it's thick, swole. Yeah. Well, um before we jump into the roundup, Ryan, I wanted to talk a little bit about your webinar. You had uh Ramson Wood, you had David Blackman, you had Anas, and you had Ellen on. Uh what were some of the big takeaways you had from from uh from that webinar? I mean, there was I'm sure a lot, so it was like two hours, wasn't it? Yeah, it was two hours and I wrote a piece, um, you know, kind of uh, follow up that's on the war newsletter that, that's free. I'll send it to Nate. He can link to it. So anyone wants to read kind of my, my thoughts on what they said. But, you know, my takeaway was if you kind of listen to what they're saying, it's um, in the prediction part is, is obviously the, the, the hard part. But I think essentially if you look at what they're saying, and I think there's a lot of validity to it, is that um, I equated at the end to essentially being concussed. You know, the shell industry right now is concussed and um, it's going to have to sit out for a little while. And then when it comes back, it probably will not retain the same spot that it had before. Um, and I think that's kind of where we're at. And there's a lot of reasons for that, um, that, that you look at it and you go, you know, how is the, you know, is Wall Street going to invest? Um, how much good acreage is available? You know, will the ducks come in online? I was having a conversation with someone over the weekend about, um, you know, the ducks and, you know, and, and he said that, um, you know, he thinks that, you know, some of these fracking companies will kind of get back to work. And, and I said, well, maybe, but what about the ducks, you know, and, and, and what happens if the ducks aren't any good? And there's, there's so many, there's so many unknown variables that, and it goes back to what we've been saying about this demand thing. No one knows what the demand is going to be. And it doesn't feel like the demand's come back. And, that has been probably the most disheartening thing about this whole COVID process is that the demand is, is not back. And so I know a lot of folks um, think that the economy's kind of rebounded and, and I hope they're right. I'm not, I'm not of that. Hey, don't we have a, don't we have a bet on that coming up that Nate's going to owe us a lunch? Where are we at Nate? When is that due? I, I just, I just thought about that. Where, where uh, are the problems? Collection day. When is collect, uh, it's election day? Okay. How are you feeling about your bet? Uh, come again? How are you feeling about your bet? How good. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> you feel good? <laughs> going to pay out or you're going to collect? I think that I'm going to collect on that. Really? Why is that, Nate? 
gut feeling. Okay. <laughs> 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 Okay. Okay. Well, Nate has a bet that that the economy will be back by election day, um, basically to pre-COVID kind of normals. Uh, being the Dow just dropped 900 points today, I think I'm feeling pretty good about my side of the prediction. But we'll see. We'll, we'll see. Um, and so, you know, I, yeah, I think that's kind of takeaways that all of us are sitting there going, okay. And then, here's the final thing, Josh. Let's say that that the demand does pick back up. Okay, so we, we kind of walk out tomorrow and say, screw these uh, these um, these shutdowns. We're going back to work. And people will go back to work. And the economy kind of comes back. Well, you have a lot of surplus that's on the sideline now. And then what, what are the Saudis and the Russians going to do? You know, are they going to keep production up a certain level? Uh, so you get into a lot of stuff like that. It just looks that it's not optimistic for the industry as a whole. I think there's plenty of companies who will be able to make money and to kind of navigate their way through it. And that's kind of what I was trying to allude to earlier on is if you're a, a service provider or whatever, you have to be careful how you read the news and you have to read it, trying to figure out which companies are doing work, where they're doing work, um, stuff like that. And that's going to be the, the big question for the next six to eight months at least. And then maybe in all the way through 2021, uh, DRW did predict 80% job, uh, 80% job loss in the industry, the show industry. That's chipper. Eighty <laughs> percent job loss. Good night. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, anyways, folks, want to listen to it? It's two hours. It's really good. Uh, we'll link to the War Room newsletter, and it's last Tuesday's newsletter. You can go back and listen to it, or you can go back and watch it. Um, so, anyways, well, um, I, I, that's some interesting things. I, I tend, I, I don't know if I'd say eighty percent on the on the job loss. I think if you said fifty percent, I would be like, yeah, that's 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 probably safe. Uh, would you think that's safe, Ryan? I mean, 50% of the industry, uh, that, that seems like a safe number to me. Just, I think there's a, there's a portion of the industry that's, that's safe. Well, there's um, a portion though that's going to go like, so one of the things I point out, I think I put in the article was, you know, if you're an IT person in the industry right now, so, you know, you work on computer systems and, you know, whatever IT folks do and you're sitting there today and you're going, okay, I see what's going on in the industry. Should I go ahead and leave and go to, you know, the tech or automobile or, you know, I don't know, pick an industry here. It would be, it would be pretty risky for people like that who have very easable, e- easily transferable skill sets to stay in the industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause if you don't, you might lose out on, uh, you know, switching industries and then go to another industry. And then next thing you know, you're sitting there and, um, you know, Josh got the job that I wanted. Now I work for Josh instead of being Josh's boss. So I think you're going to see some folks, folks that will defect uh, for that alone. And then, you know, look at the labor, like the skilled labor, like we have on the Rick hands and stuff like that. Um, you know, um, you know, those folks, they will be there um, and they will want to hold on because they get paid a lot of money to go out there and work those rigs and work on the construction stuff. But, you know, at some point they got to, they got to get back to work too. And so, you know, if they want to keep doing construction type labor jobs, they're going to go wherever those are. And if that's here in Texas or wherever, they'll, they'll figure that out and go build a house or high rise or, or whatever. Um, so some of those jobs, I think you can kind of look at and say, those are kind of easy to be lost just from folks looking to leave. Now you get into maybe like a, um, like a geologist or, you know, a facilities engineer or something like that, that they're kind of a little bit more specialized. I think they're probably going to want to hold on a little longer because they're, you know, they say, okay, well, 
I can go learn this new skill set, but it's going to take a little bit hard, a little bit more time. And so um, those folks will want to hold on a little bit longer and uh, maybe they can, some of them could uh, say, but some of them can't, but yeah, I don't know. 50% if you're counting all the service companies easily, I would agree with that. If it's just the oil and gas companies, 50%, I can see that. But if you count the service companies and all, all those folks, it'd be well over 50%. Maybe he's right at 80. I mean, 80 seems, uh, that's just insanity. I mean, but I mean, it's. I think, no, I, th- I think 80 is high. I, I, okay, so think about this. When, um, I think 80 is high, but I think 50, when you count, when you start, you start counting all the truckers and stuff like that who aren't hauling sand anymore. They're now they're hauling something like that. You start counting all that. I think getting over 50 is, is doable. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I would agree with that. I, I think, I think that's, uh, now, if, if it drags on, you know, there's some talk about this thing dragging on from their perspective until 2022. Yeah. If it drags on that long, well, then you, you could sit there and go, oh, okay, okay, yeah. Um, yeah, that's um, – then 80% might be it. Oh, if it keeps dragging on that long, my goodness. Yeah. So, we – Yeah, we, we just we, – we need to get over this thing. That way we can get some real – uh, what would you call it? Real recovery going on, not not this short-term recovery, and then uh, further concerns about more panic. I just I saw something that came out that they were saying that we will have a vaccine by third quarter of 2021, and maybe we can get back to normal then. And it's like, come on, guys! Like it's it's past time to get this show on the road. I mean, my goodness. Now you're talking about 2022. We just what, screw it. Why don't we just push it back to 2050? Let's just roll <laughs> masked up until then. Well, I think there's a lot of battles that still have to be fought, you know. And so, um, you know, and to your point about the about the vaccine, you know, how long does the vaccine work for? And again, I, I, again, if you got epidemiologists that listen to the podcast. I'm not A, why, but B, <laughs> we'd love to have you on. Um, because, you know, someone was saying the other day, and I, again, I don't know how true this is, but the point was that the coronaviruses have historically not mutated as much as the flu does. And so the point was is that it might be that once everyone gets it, it might be less likely that you can get it again. Um, you know, the, 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 the percentage of people is very small. Now, I, don't, I don't know anything about that. I haven't looked into that at all. So I'm just telling you what I was reading. Um, if that's true, then once we once we kind of all get it or get close to getting it or whoever can get it gets it, then okay, then then we will the vaccine discussion kind of goes away. If that's not true, and we could all get it multiple times like we can the flu, then the vaccine is going to be important. And this, you know, how fast can you get it? And so to your point, if you're talking about Q3 of next year uh, before you get a vaccine, and we can all kind of get it, you know, every other year or every two years or man, I had the flu. How often do you get the flu? I think I've had it twice. That's it. Yeah, I, I don't. That kind of as a kid. I don't know, but you know, since I've been an adult, two times mm, I think I've had it as well. So, yeah, yeah I'm 35. So two times since I was 20. Okay, well, you know, that's once every, you know, uh, what 17, uh, seven years, roughly seven and a half years. Okay, so I don't know, Nate. How often have you had the flu? No idea. I think maybe two or three times in the last. 10 years. Okay. So Nate gets a little bit more than 
more than us. So, but, but still, so, you know, you're talking about every three to four years you get the flu. So that, I think those are the types of questions that we don't have the answer to. So if you can get the coronavirus every three to four years, is it the same? Is it worse? And so, I don't know, man, I, I think that, um, you're right. We got to get things open back up. We got to get back to it, but we're so paralyzed by the sucker that it's, I just don't know how much longer we can do it. So anyways. That's- yeah. Well, I think, I think we're on a good track to be, uh, to be taking your advice for, uh, for a lot of the leftist folks. You know, I think we will be, uh, we, Amish. we're looking at a possibility of being Amish by 2050. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like when I, when I talk about it, we have stuff to figure out. That's part of it is, you know, how much oil and gas are we going to use when we come back, you know, and uh, we'll see. So uh, for the Texas roundup, we have three articles we're going to, we're going to go over. The first one is energy companies find new ways to find operating cash. Uh, so called factoring is the practice of selling invoices to a third party for cash, giving that third party the right to collect what's owed. So service companies are probably having a hard time getting their money for doing their work. Uh, so right now companies are, are finding new ways to find operating cash. And then uh, I think they're, looks like they're hiring third parties to go out and, and collect. So service companies, that is a little quote here, uh, service companies struggle to do the work when they haven't gotten paid for the work they did in the last two months. Our company can give them cash for the jobs they've done, less a discount fee. So um, interesting stuff, interesting stuff there. And I, I think uh, this is probably very necessary right now because some of these companies just can't afford to keep doing the work if they don't have anything coming in. Yeah. And I wonder that discount, I wonder who ends up eating that discount. Is it the service company or will there, will there be a possibly a back pay from uh, the company that the service company is working for? Well, they always, they always try to get the service company to take the, take the hit. The take team. the hit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So next one, the U S energy development acquires interest in Permian basin project. So Texas headquartered U S energy development corp is dividing into the Columbia project development. Uh, with Shell Oil Company having acquired an $8.5 million interest in the project. Uh, the move adds to the company's position in the Permian. We're also developing three horizontal wolf count wells in nearby Ward County. So U.S. Energy Development. So that's a, if you want to read more about that, that's an interesting article. You can go check it out. And then last but not least, uh, Texoga Virtual Summit focuses on Permian Panhandle. Let's see when this is. Summit uh, comes at a time when politicians are talking about transitioning oil and gas workers into the green energy sector. And I don't see the dates for this, but this is summit that's going to be coming up uh, with Texoga. If you want to check that out, it might be something worth looking into. And with that, Ryan, I think that wraps us up. Oh, um, there was an article I saw that came out you know, uh, we were talking a little bit about, was it BP or Shell? It was talking about uh, peak oil demand in 20 BP. BP? Mm-hmm. They said peak oil demand was last year. No, there's another one that said, I think it was Shell that came out and said that they ended up saying peak oil demand was going to be, it was, it gave a, a, some date in the future, maybe like five years oh. or 10 <laughs> years or, or something. And they, they said that it was based on new research that they had done and that it was causing a big scare. Um, how dare we use oil? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I look at that. No, I, I didn't see that. 
a lot of people are talking about that right now where you know peak oil is there and uh it, it might be a semi peak for a couple of years but uh yeah i don't see how i don't see how they're looking at that as a real yeah so two things before we go josh this look on twitter here on monday the uk chief scientific advisor patrick balance i think they said said cases in the uk could reach 50,000 per day mid october without further action and then uh, also the World Health Organization has come out and said that uh, we are at a critical point, need more political and financial support from governments for fight against the pandemic. So I guess we'll be back next week. Please, God, send us in uh, terrible uh, roasts of Nate so we don't talk about the COVID next week for yeah. our sake and for yours. Help us help you. <laughs> all right listen if you want to catch the replay of the show webinar it was really good ellen anas drw and david blackman two hours basically it's just shy of two hours um sign up for the war room newsletter it's ten dollars a month or a hundred dollars for the year and you can go back to last tuesday's newsletter to watch or listen uh, both the audio and video are there and until next time keep climbing. Bye.